point is this. You have to decide to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord has to be priority. That can't even, that should be a, 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 a what do they call it, a non-negotiation. There shouldn't even, you're not even, that's not even up for negotiation when it comes to serving the Lord. So number one, decide to serve the Lord. Then I, I put decide to serve the Lord, becoming the spiritual leader of your house. I love that. Joshua said, ask for me. In other words, I don't know what y'all going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. But from my house, he said, ask for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I love that, that he said, we. In other words, he was saying, this is going to be a collective thing. And I believe that in order for a family to be healthy, we have to take on a ask for me in my house mentality. That and, and you know we live in a different time where you know we given if you live in my house you ain't got no options. You just got done using my toothbrush that I bought. You just really put on my clothes. Anybody see it that way? You 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 worked hard. These these jokers ain't even working yet. How you gonna have an opinion? You ain't pieced up on this electric bill. How you gonna have an opinion? When that car you driving, you ain't paid nothing for it. I bought that for you. So guess what? I get to set the rules. Now, I ain't stupid. I know sometimes that they gonna break the rules. Can Anybody got kids? How many of you was a kid? Yeah. Keep your hand up. Because you, you can't skip steps, amen. You didn't just become grown. You know, we all came the same way. Can I get a witness? But my point is that we even made our mistakes because I've learned you can create boundaries for your kids, but when they get older, they're going to cross them boundaries. But we still love them. But at the same time, going to church is not up for debate. Amen? My 17-year-old was running a camera earlier. My 21, he back there now, ain't he? Praise the Lord. And then I got a 21-year-old. She's preaching to y'all junior hires right now, my daughter Stella. And then my 24-year-old, he up there preaching to y'all teenagers right now. And y'all just saw Mariah. And y'all see where she's sitting. So throw your hand up. Y'all say, well, where's the fourth one at? He had U of A, so he got off the hook. But he was streaming at 930. He better have been. Because as for me, <laughs> Pastor Me, put up Proverbs 22.6. Let me show y'all something. You know I got a scripture for everything. Train up. A child in the way, in the way it should go. And, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that he won't go out there and lose his mind for a season. Mm -hmm. The prodigal son, Luke 15, 17, put it up real quick. Luke 15, 17. Luke uh, 15, 17. Look at this. Luke chapter uh, uh, 15. Verse uh, 17, most of y'all know the story uh, about the prodigal. Remember, his daddy gave him his inheritance and he went and lost his mind. How many you know it's not good to give your, your children stuff premature? Mm -hmm. When you turn six, we're going to take the trailing wheels off the bike. You're not getting a Corvette yet. Right. It's a little here, a little there. Yeah. But when he came to himself, Ain't that interesting? The Bible says he, he came to himself, and how many of my father's hired servants have bread up, uh, enough and to, to even spare, and I perish with hunger? In other words, right in the middle of his mess, he began to get a revelation. Anybody been right in the middle of your mess, God, he began to give you a revelation. 
he began to be like, wait a minute. Uh, my dad got servants who got bread to spare. I didn't got this inheritance and went out here and spent it on all these hoes. That's Bible. Read, read the whole chapter. He didn't go and buy a whole bunch of Escalades and a whole bunch of houses. The Bible's very specific that he was running with harlots. That's Bible. But the Bible says he, he, got, he came to himself. Anybody got sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's just like when I was 23 years old and I got in trouble with the law and I was in Madison Street Jail with $160,000. How many of y'all know y'all pastor got a revelation? I was like, wait a minute. I got to stop robbing people. Right. Oh, y'all ain't ready for me this afternoon. Some of y'all came in here asleep. But I realized I got a revelation. I don't have to live like this. And then that Proverbs 22.6 came back to me because I grew up in the pews. I knew better. But I deviated from my foundational principles that were downloaded in my spirit. Anybody been there? Because when you get older, you want to go do you. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 7 verse 18 that there dwelleth no good thing in the flesh. Which lets us know we all have an evil nature. And we've done that evil thing for a season or two. But then after a while, we begin to realize, you know what, I'm not getting anywhere living like this. And so we made a decision to leave the kingdom of darkness and make our way back to the kingdom of light. Amen? Hallelujah. What a blessing that God is a God of a second chance. Amen? And so with all that being said, I come to myself 23, get my life together 24, 25, I start preaching the gospel. And I love that my wife, and we'll talk about this later, how my wife, when I told her, I'm ready to get back in church and be the spiritual head. She stepped back and allowed me to be who God called me to be. Because we've seen it where husbands and wives have fought tooth and nail, you know, to see who's going to be the spiritual head. And that should go without even, there needs not even be a conversation that she follows me as I follow Christ. Now, she was the spiritual head because I wasn't going to church during that time. But when I started getting back in church, she took a back seat and began to get behind me and push me. And I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for her. But I made a decision then. Amen. Bless God. Amen. Because a help meet is there to help meet the what? Need. Amen. And so she was there to aid and assist me. Amen. And help me become who I am today. Matter of fact, she told me, she said, when she was getting ready to get a police uh, a job uh, with a, a being a dispatcher because she was a dispatcher here in Arizona for 13 years for the Phoenix Police Department and she was going to transition to Virginia with our three kids. At that time Isaiah was three, Mar Mariah was two and Stella was a baby and she's 21 now and she said the only reason why I'm not leaving you, she said I got a glimpse of you preaching with a collar on. She said God told me you're going to be a preacher. I looked at her I said girl you are crazy. Preach what? I said, I'm not going to watch. My great-grandfather pastored for 53 years, and then my dad has been pastoring for 30 years. I watch all the stuff that they had to go through. I'm like, I am not trying to do that. That means you got to be disciplined. That means you got to be committed. How many of you know that ain't easy? But when God back you in the corner, come on, can I get a witness? And then you got a praying wife. But at the end of the day, I made a decision. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. People of God, let's take on that mentality. How many men I got in here that's got families? Raise your hand. Where's my men? Praise the Lord. You, you need to have that mentality. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. How many women I got in here that's single and you got kids? 
You need to take on that Joshua mentality. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I want to speak to you single women. Listen, God has wired you for what you do. He has wired you to be the breadwinner. He's wired you to take care of that family. I know you're wearing many hats, but I pray stamina, spiritual stamina on you that you will continue to take on that Joshua mentality and lead your family. Amen? So that's number one. Decide to serve the Lord and become the spiritual leader of your home. Remember, men and the women that lead your families, amen, that doesn't have a husband, you don't have a husband, you set the spiritual tone of the family. You set the temperature of the home, amen? Matter of fact, you literally become the pastor of your home. The word pastor means to cover and to protect. So you have a responsibility, amen, we're to cover and to protect our children. Anybody in here, you would do anything for your kids. You ain't going to just let anybody. you like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. Amen. My wife will tell you, I don't know how many times I've had to go up to the school and deal with some teachers. Right. And I didn't have to deal with some Ray Rays and some Pookies, too. Because <laughs> my daughters are 23 and 21. I remember one time, this one dude, I was, I was going in the gym to give them my little key so they can check me in. And the lady at the receptionist lady, she said, hey, Pastor Still, I'm not trying to be in your business, but your daughter just walked in here with her boyfriend, and he was cussing her out and really belittling her. I was like, really? Where they at? <laughs> I started walking toward. <laughs> now Pastor Still Reggie, where is this Negro at? Oh, it's going down. And my wife was already at the gym, so she owned a little, and then she jumped off. What's going on? I saw his walk, and I said, uh-oh, because I remember that walk. I told dude, I said, listen, partner, <laughs> not man of God, listen, partner, I just found out that you cussed my daughter out and you belittled her. I said, Stella, go home. I said, this relationship is over. Yeah. Amen? And dude looking at me like, I said, brother, don't call my daughter no more. It's a wrap. It's over. You feeling me? Even to this day, when I see him at the barbershop, and this has been six years ago, he'd see me at the barbershop, he'd be. Yeah. Why? Because I've been a dad for 24 years. I've been a pastor for 11. Right. Do the math. Right. I've been a father way longer than I've been a pastor. Yep. And we need other men to man up when it comes to your kids and not be passive aggressive. I'm not just letting anything go down when it comes to my babies. The devil is alive. My daughters and your daughters will not be some doorknob where everybody get a turn. Somebody scream, the devil is alive. I didn't got mad. Let me get back in the spirit. Well, praise the Lord. We're so glad y'all are here at the 1130 <laughs> service. <laughs> but the Bible gives us permission to be angry. Put up Ephesians 4.26. You know I got a scripture for everything. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Ephesians uh, chapter 4. It, it says at, at, uh, uh, four, Ephesians 4 and 26. It's all good. Ephesians uh, 4 and, and 26. That, that's 6. It's all good. Amen. They, they're going to get it. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and 26. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4. <laughs> be angry. Look at your David and say, it's okay to be angry. But don't sin. 
don't miss the mark. Be angry, but don't two-piece the person. Be angry, but don't kick them. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Be angry, but don't shoot them. Come on. I got some former shooters in here. <laughs> I heard about some of y'all. Uh, I'm just playing. But no, be angry, but sin not. You can be angry and not allow your anger to turn into destruction. Right. So at the end of the day, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pastor, that's pretty aggressive. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence. Right. But the violent take it by force. That word violent means that we have to be radical. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yes. How many of y'all got a football team? When your team score a touchdown, boy, you be radical. You be like, look, oh, yeah. How much more should we be radical for Jesus? Mm -hmm. How much more radical should we be when it's concerning our family? That's right. And you see one of your children get a victory on that test. Or you see them get a victory, amen, where they've been able to overcome something, a dilemma, if you will. It's time to get radical and celebrate them and not always just cremating them. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yep. So let's make sure, number one, decide to serve the Lord and become the spiritual leader of your home. Amen? So let's cover our home. Let's protect our home. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Even my wife, um, it's interesting, we were out at dinner. And um, now this was interesting. We were out at dinner. And this guy was like, Kelly? Kelly! And then she was like, hey! I'm like, hey! What's good? Because usually when we are, I'm used to hearing Pastor Kelly. So I'm like, is this somebody from B.C. before Christ? But I found out it was A.C. after Christ. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember you. Remember he, he, he literally jumped out of his chair. My wife was so excited, y'all. I was so she excited. She said, I really know you love me now. Like, Nick, well, you don't think you think... <laughs> <laughs> I've been hanging for 26 years next month. Sometimes a woman wants to feel like, you know... Is that how y'all feel, women? Every now and then. Every once in a while, y'all want to see y'all husband get defensive. Be like, yeah. Oh. Don't beat him up, but, you know. <laughs> right? It's, right? It's cute. Yeah, but that's that okay. okay. That's all. I mean, it's good, but uh -huh. yes. Yeah, it's a, so. You know, there was a guy at church, too. Tell him about the story about the guy. When I got done doing praise and worship, he kept on coming to me. Now, this we is were, way We were in our 20s. 20s. And after every service, she was the worship leader at a church we used to attend. And after every service, this guy would just be after church. <laughs> And so after the third time, first time, I'm like, all right, it's all good. He, you know, he, he appreciate her gift. <laughs> Second time, I'm like, oh, he really valued what she do for the church. Third time, I was like, man of God, what's good? <laughs> Brother ain't insecure, but at the end of the day, this is me. <laughs> Right. I got anybody that took some ownership? Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. What's the word? Uh, 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 what's another word I'm looking for? Ownership. Territorial. He's married. You better be territorial. Yeah. When it comes to yours. Amen? Mm -hmm. That's why I love my dog. When somebody knock on my door, my dog. <laughs> like, yeah. 
You ain't going to just be coming up in here. The dog ain't but three pounds, but praise <laughs> the Lord. She talked a lot of stuff, though. That's right. So you have to be the spiritual leader of the home. And like Pastor said, as a woman, you have to get behind your husband for him to lead. You know, a man can't lead unless we get behind him, ladies. And I know it's hard to get behind the husband. I know it. It's, if you'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. It is, it's difficult to submit and to get behind your husband as the Word of God says so. Do you want to know why? Because women are right 99% of the time. See, third service, same response. 60-40. 80-20. So y'all are 60%. I'm going to give y'all 60. No, 80-80, babe. 80% nah. of the time. We're right because we see things all the way through. So we give a suggestion, and then y'all don't do it. I just, and it goes bad. I just, in my head, oh, that's 10 more points for me. Because it, it just, and it happens all the time. You know, it's true, babe. And Talk about Tucson. I will, but how about this? When men, don't, when, when, when men don't know where they're going when they're driving, does your husband, like, we're going the complete wrong way, and you're up there like, you should turn left, and they just keep on, what is that? It's so frustrating. That's why we're, you know, it's hard to submit to you. It's difficult. Um, and, and, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at your face. It, it's also hard, too, because, you know, I, I, try to, I try to set, you know, I'm the planner of the house. Right. Because, again, as women, we can see the whole picture. So on Friday, I said, because we had to go to Tucson, I said, we need to leave at 1. So I sent a text to everybody. We're leaving at 1 o'clock. I told Pastor, we're going to leave for Tucson at 1 o'clock because I foresaw the whole trip. All right? So I, I call at 1230 in the afternoon to call Pastor. Hey, babe, are you ready to go? Are you dressed? He said, absolutely not. So I said, okay, here we go. I don't know what it is, but when I give pastor a time to do things, he purposely does it later. I don't know if that's just a man thing that you want to just kind of make sure I'm still submitted or what that is, but. That's called CPT time. Okay. So I, I get home. He's still walking around in his jersey like we have nowhere to go. We're all ready. So finally at 2 o'clock, which is the time he wanted to leave, was 2. At 2 o'clock, he comes downstairs. He's ready to go. We get in the car at 2.11. In my head, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I want to leave at 1. We get, we, were, we get on the freeway, and guess what we run into on the freeway? Traffic, which is what I was trying to avoid in the first place. So I'm sitting there just not saying much, and he's like, my God, where's everybody going today? What, what's, what's happening in Arizona? It's like California out here. And I'm just sitting there. And I thought I said this in my head, but he told me I said it out loud. I said, well, if we would have left at 1 o'clock, we would not have run into the traffic. So y'all first lady went Shaquita on me. I told you we would have left at 1 o'clock, but you didn't want to be ready. Right. And so I'm sitting there in the car knowing that, again, I tried, I tried, because we just see things differently. I don't know, you know, we think of the whole total trip. Now, let me drop something on y'all. The goal was to get to Tucson two hours before the football game. The game was at 7 p.m. We pulled up in Tucson at 4.38. So we were able to go grab some pizza, you know, and hang out for two hours and 22 minutes. So as a man, and on my mind, we good. We don't need to leave at one. We're going to make it more than two hours before the game. So, again, we pull up at 438. You know, we, we, we jump. We go to Grimaldi's. Anybody ever been to Grimaldi's? Is it Grimaldi's. 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 Mm -hmm. However you say it, that pizza is the bomb. But anyway, we in Tucson, 
we get there two hours and 28 minutes. The point was the to game. avoid traffic, though. It wasn't the point of getting there. I was trying to avoid what we ran into. I was right 99% of the time. Well, then why you can't ever find my remote if you always right? Okay, ladies, what is this about? You, okay, your husband's on the couch. You walk in the room. He says, ask you, where's the remote? Like I'm the ro remote man. Uh, I'm like, ah. You know everything. Y'all know everything. Y'all talking about 99% of the time. 80% of the time. <laughs> Somebody back there said, preach. You got me on that. I know that's right, brother. <laughs> so, but, it's, but, this, but this is why women of God, honestly, this is why it's hard to submit and get behind our husbands. It, it, and the challenge of it, there's always a war between, you know, not really right or wrong, but just ruling and, you know, who's going to rule. And I have to always put myself behind pastor. And we're very, we're both very strong people. We're very, we're, we're leaders. We're very opinionated. And I have to just kind of remember my role. But this is why in Genesis 3 and 16, it says this. It says, to the woman, he said, and this is after the fall of the garden. Remember, remember the fall of the garden where it got all messed up because Adam didn't correct Eve and make Eve put the apple down? That's really the interpretation of the story. When Adam had the Eve, when, when Eve had the apple and said, eat this, he should have said, no, God said we can't eat that. Put it down. But instead, he punked out and was like, okay. But what really happened was Anytime y'all make us something to eat, we, like, we trust you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, when then Adam, Adam... Then Adam says, well, it was a woman you gave me. Right. Because you know men, sometimes we be like, we try to blame everything on them. No, the, the man always blames a woman. Right, lady? What, do you get blamed for everything at your house? We get blamed for everything. It's, but it's because of Adam. Where's my sock? Where's your sock? Say that's key word. Your. But sock. I'm in there looking for a sock. Where's my phone? And I'm looking for the thing. I, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Where's my I, phone? I, I think I think yesterday I counted. You asked me where things were nine times. Really? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Just where stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> so name me one of the things. Uh, where's my sock? Where's my phone? Where's my cord? Where's my charger? I remember the cord. Where's my bag? Where's my Bible? Bag. Bible. Your backpack that was downstairs. Where's, your, where's my wallet? Right. You were a witness. All right, I'm going to give you the cell phone cord and the wallet. The backpack was downstairs in the kitchen on the table. You said, where's my backpack? I said, downstairs. Right, I'll give you where's three. my Bible? All right, that's three, because you said nine. Where's my Medicaid? You, you're looking for some, the, um, the stuff you take, the, the, the stuff you put in the, your drink? Uh, oh, the tea. The tea. When was that? No, yep. you tripping now. She lying in church now. I'm not. Yeah, that was, that was Wednesday. Okay. Point is, <laughs> when, have, when do I ever ask you for anything? Well, let's go to the next scripture. Where's the next? <laughs> submitting. That's good. Back to submitting one. Genesis 3.16. It says, to the woman, he said, God said this, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. How many moms do I have in the house that gave birth? Okay, how many of you know that scripture is absolutely true? There is no pain like giving birth to a baby. Can I get an amen? 
I don't, it's amazing how it happens, but my God, you, we, can't even, we can't even put words to describe the pain that we go through to give birth to your children. And I did that for you five times. And four times, no medication, because I wanted to be the strong with nothing. And so the fifth time, I'm, in the, I'm about to give birth, and I asked them, listen, it's my fifth kid. I want every legal drug known to man. I don't even want to be she here. She did. That's true. I was there Knock for that. Knock me out. Wake me up when it's over. I was like, wait a minute, and he's baby. He's like, babe, you, no, you, you can do, do it. You're sure. I'm like, shut up. Yeah. I'm getting on the drugs. I was like. <laughs> you know, I was in labor. So anyways, but, but so it, there's it, it, no pain like that. It's rewarding, but the pain. So the, the word of God says that in, in pain, you shall bring forth children. If you've given a child, if you've given birth to a child and are not saved, you should be. I need some water, baby. You should be. You should, you should, you should accept Jesus Christ just by the fact that it right. is hard to give birth to a child. That word of God is true within itself. Thank you so much. That's good. And then it says this, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And that's where Ooh. the fight comes from. It comes from in the garden before the fall, men and women, the Bible says we were comparable, meaning that we were equal. Can you imagine a place where men and women are equal, working together, there's no issues, there's no drama, everybody knows their place, people are talking kind to one another, no one's overstepping anybody, it's just harmony. But because we got this taken away, God says he shall rule over us. Men rule over us. That's why when I tell my ladies when they get married, if they want to get married, understand this, you're asking to be the help. The Bible says you're a helpmate. You literally become a maid. And now you're looking for socks all the days of your life. Wow. That's the, a helpmate. Yes. Wow. You become a helpmate. And then, so, and, and then the desire, the desire that we want, women of God, the desire is not just sexual desire or, or desire in that realm. It's the desire to have the authority back. That's what the fight is. I want my place back. I, I'm, women are always wanting their place, their voice to be heard. But instead, we're crushed. That's such a hard word. We're crushed by the man <laughs> as, as they, you know, as we submit to them because it is difficult. So, so my point is this. If you, want, if you want your man of God to be a strong leader, you've got to be a strong woman that's submissive to what's going on in the house, no matter how it happens. And guess what? If he calls the shots and he messes it up, it's his fault. <laughs> Everyone give a hand praise right now. Ah, uh, that's good. So here's the second point. You have to solve family problems or solve, solve family issues with the word of God. To have a strong family, you have to solve issues with the word of God. There will always be issues in family because we're dealing with people. Right. Not everybody gets along. Not everybody. There's always something going on, especially our, we had a family of seven. So there was always drama in our house. And the only way to keep things sane at home is we have to apply the word of God to every single issue that's going on in our house. Just Joshua 1 and 8 tells us this. It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God is saying you will have good success in your marriage and your family life if you meditate on the word of God and then apply it mm. to every, your, your life every single day. What do I mean by that, Pastor Kelly? Well, Pastor just read the scripture. Do not be angry, sin not, but do not let the sun set on your wrath. Mm -hmm. Dude, the Bible tells you you should not go to bed angry. Right. You should handle situations in a timely manner and you shouldn't take it with you to the next day. Because believe me, if you go to bed mad, you're going to wake up mad. Can I get an amen? Mm. Very rarely do you wake up and it's gone. 
Usually when you wake up, it might be gone for a minute, but then you remember you're still mad. So that's how bitterness sets in. And if there's bitterness in a family, there's contention, there's arguing, there's fighting, there's disunity, then guess what? There's power in unity. So of course the enemy wants disunity to happen in your, in your marriage or in your family. So a, another scripture, Proverbs 15 and 1, it tells us this, Proverbs 15 and 1, to resolve issues in your family, if we would just use this scripture, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word. How many times do, you, do we speak, things are going good, and, and your husband says something harsh to you, and all of a sudden it's an argument. It wasn't even what they said, it's how they said it, right? And I tell a pastor all the time, honey, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. You say things like really aggressive and angry, like something happened that I don't know about. Like he'll come home and instead of saying, hey baby, how are you, how was your day, what's for dinner? He'll walk in the door and be like, where's the food? <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, it's here, but hello? You know, I even go up to you like, hi, hey, yeah, hey, I'm hungry. Well, my God in heaven, okay, well, let me get, you know, and I, I tell them that all the time, so you just got to, but that, that, if you follow the scripture, you'll resolve family issues, That's because good. a soft answer turns away wrath, and you don't understand this, we as women, when we're submissive, and we're trying to love Jesus, and trying to love you, and love our family, you could get us on an off day that you said about, you know, 12 harsh things, and we're just sick and tired of it, and we're going to blow up right with you. Now, I got to admit, I used to do that. Where's the food at? Well, you ain't cook. Now what I do, I'll call her if I'm like 10, 15 minutes from the house. I'll be like, hey, did you cook? Nope, I didn't. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go to KFC. I, I refer to KFC as a keep from cooking. <laughs> so, so I'll just stumble up in there. So because she hardly cooks anymore because our kids really aren't home anymore. I mean, our youngest is, will be 18 in March and our oldest will be 25 in March mm -hmm. so we're kind of in a different season so I've learned to give a soft answer and when it comes to that now now yesterday I kind of messed up we had 23 ministers here and we brought five more new ministers on board for 17 and so I was explaining to the new ministers that in order to be a minister at kingdom two things number one you have to come to two out of the three services so our preference is that if you're going to be a minister we need you at 9 30 and 11 30 so you can pray for people after church and just get to know the, the congregation and pour into them and encourage them and so on and so forth because we realize we can't do it all it's proven that a pastor can only effectively pastor 50 to 100 people and that's it so you got to have under shepherds to help with the with the burden of what's the word burden what it means is great responsibility so i begin to explain that to the new ministers and the last thing is i said not only do i need you to be at two services but you have to be a tither you can't be a minister at this church and consider yourself a leader and you not be a tither amen because I've, I've had some leaders that said amen some of the people said that they can tithe their time just imagine if we all begin to tithe our time the bank is going to foreclose on this building you understand what I'm saying? So as I began to explain that, and I said, and if you can't do those two things, let's part ways, and you can be a lay member at the church. That's but not I how guess said how it. I said we could part ways. How did I said? I guess I said it aggressive, right? Did you say we could part ways? I said I guess we said we could just part ways, and you could be a lay member. Just you no, still you come to say, church, you didn't say you but could you be a lay member. You, you ended it. He explained it. If you can't do this, this or that, we could just part ways. And so the women were like. Okay, so are we breaking up now? Because, I mean, what? But what's my happening? men in there, what? almost 30 men, they were like, we, we get it. You know? Well, anyway. And it's interesting that we're talking about this because mm. women, if you read 
put up first uh, Peter 3 and 7. I think this is why the women responded like they did. Put up first Peter 3 and 7. First Peter. You know, I got a scripture for everything. Uh, we ain't even do this at the 8 o'clock or the 9.30. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. vessel. Mm -hmm. That word weak, weaker means that they're more fragile than us. So now when I'm thinking about it, the women, because they're the weaker vessel, they're more fragile. They took that as, oh, pastor's breaking up with, the, with us if we don't, don't abide by this. And again, it was, okay, we're parting ways as far as you being a leader, but you still can come to the church. And I explained that, but when I look back at it, I still should have had a better soft answer. Remember that scripture, Proverbs 15 and 1? It talks about a soft, where is it at? Proverbs, was it, was it 15, and 15 and 1? Yeah, check it out. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath. So what I should have said was, hey, if you're going to be a pastor or minister here, you're going to have to go to two services, and you're going to have to be a tither. And if you can't tithe, maybe it's just not your season to be a minister right now. Could y'all imagine me... But really, however I try to put it, I was harsh. Because you know what? I'm not going to preach to you until you don't own your stuff and I don't own mine. Yeah, yeah. So there's still a way that I could have delivered that. You understand? But when you're a pastor and, you know, and you're, you're having a three-hour meeting. And you're a leader. And, 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 you're, and you're pouring into yeah. people and you're carrying a burden that if you don't take up $200,000 a month, you're not going to meet budget. When you've got that kind of weight on you, you can't be passive. Right. You know, people have, people have said, I want to be a pastor like you one day. You might want to pray about that. Yeah. Because yeah. being a pastor is a trip. Yes. Amen. Somebody's loud. <laughs> a, a, a real tall. See, you when know, I was a deacon and an elder, I was good. Shoot. I, you know, come to church, pay my tithes, and encourage people after church, and so on and so forth. But that pastor had to have faith for everything. Like, there's, I, before I started my church, I worked for two churches. So I'd be looking at that pastor, your faith paid my bills. Because if you don't have faith, we ain't none of us getting paid on the 1st and the 15th. So you got to have faith in God, and we got to believe that the people of God are believing so much in you that they're going to give tithe and offer so we can get a check. This is back when I was, you know, a deacon and an elder. But then when God called me to be a pastor, I was like, oh, shoot, now I got to have faith. Like, for real faith. Obviously, everybody in here has to have faith. So just imagine the faith that I have to have. Like, when we moved into this building and they needed $50,000 and we didn't have it in the bank and I had to empty out my retirement. Oh, then got quiet up in here. Most pastors, you know what my pastor friends told me? They said, Pastor Steele, that was one of the stupidest things you could have done. Why would you empty out your retirement? He said, you should have put that burden on the people. I said, but we've taken up a few offerings and it just didn't meet up, so we had to, I had to do what I had to do. But God told me, if you do that on the front end, watch what I'm going to do for you on the back end. How many know God will cause back-end blessings? Because the Bible says the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And let me tell you, these two years that we've been in this, two years in January, the church already paid me that back. You understand what I'm saying? You know, and some people's like, man, it's going to take them five years to pay. No, that less than a year. The church paid that back to me, amen? Because at the end of the day... I started the ministry. I'm the founder, the pastor, so I can't be telling you to give and I don't. 
You understand what I'm saying? And I know pastors that don't even tithe. They'll tell you, man, I don't tithe back to my church. I'm like, how could you tithe, not tithe to something that you started? I, you know what I tell people? To each his own. My tithe goes here. Amen. Straight up. Amen. So, amen. It is what it is and always will. How did I get there? Oh, we went to the weaker vessel. That's right. Right. <laughs> you know, when the Bible says weaker vessel, it doesn't mean woman, woman of God. It doesn't mean that you're not as strong. You know, God revealed this to me a few years back. That when the Word of God says you're a weaker vessel, think of a vessel of container. That's what a vessel is, is a container. We're weaker, meaning that maybe a man's container is larger than a woman's container, meaning that women just can't contain all that men go through. So it's not that, it's not that we're weaker, we're fragile. It's that we're just not as, our container's not as big as a, meaning we, maybe we can't deal with as much. It doesn't take a lot for us to handle, you know, men, men have a heavy burden and sometimes uh, men put that burden on you and it's just, it's just, it's just something we, and you know, if, if, the, and if, our, if our vessel is full, we will overflow and you will feel the overflowing of our emotions. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So that's, that's, like <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. But yeah, but you saw, but saw, saw family issues with the word, you know, not having a harsh answer, you know, coming together and praying for each other, you know, speaking life over your family is so important to solve issues with the word. Um, something that we do in the Bible, um, Matthew 18 and 15, it says this, it says that, um, the Lord have mercy on my son for he is, wait, that's, I'm in the wrong scripture. Hold on one second. 18 and 15. Praise the Lord. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, hmm. go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take two or take one or two more, that by the mouth of two and three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses you, then you go to the church. But this is where we get family meetings from. We have family meetings because of this scripture right here. Sometimes we try to go to our kids and talk to them as individuals. Or maybe the children will talk to each other or maybe, you know, we'll trying to resolve things. But if things don't come to a head or they don't get resolved, we literally call family meetings in our house where we bring everybody together. We don't have secrets in our family. If you messed up at school, the whole family knows. If you, you know, did the wrong thing, the whole family knows. And we talk about it and then we let our kids share how they feel. There's nothing wrong with letting your kids share how they feel. It doesn't mean you're going to change my mind. Tell, tell me how you feel. I'll listen. I'll listen to your opinion, your little crazy, sorry opinion all day. And then I'll say, oh, well, you know what? I'm glad you feel that way, but you're still, you know, this is still going to happen to you. So we let that happen. In fact, it's interesting in our family that when people do get in trouble, our kids will tell the, their siblings how them getting in trouble made them feel. And I really love that about that. It's almost like it's a community that we have based on this scripture right here. So I would encourage you, if you do not do family meetings, you should do that. Bring everybody together and talk about the issues. Talk about the problem. Don't be afraid to talk. Talking about something doesn't mean, well, how about this? Admitting it doesn't mean you accept it. Sometimes it's like, well, if we don't talk about it, then that means we don't accept it. No, we don't accept it, but talk about it. Talk about the situation. Talk about the issues. Have strong conversations in your family. I think that causes a lot of issues in family, um, even today. You know, if uh, you know, holidays are coming up, listen, if your kid doesn't like the weird uncle at the house, you should probably ask the kid some questions and keep the uncle away. Amen. I, I, that, that's serious. It might, don't, you know, and that, that's just by having a conversation. 
You know, I think about that because a lot of times we ignore kids and what they say because we don't ask questions. I've had parents come to me that the kid was fine one year and the next year they are just rebelling and acting bad. And I ask the parents, would have you asked them what happened to them? Well, no, they're just in rebellion. Have a conversation. Has someone touched you? Has someone molested you? It's not your fault. Did somebody do something to you? Did you see something? What's wrong with that? If you come in love and say, listen, you can tell me, you can trust me, have a conversation. Don't just hope it goes away. You know, it, investigate. Right. Sit down and investigate. Talk to your kids. Right. Talk to them. Let them tell you what's happening. That's good because, you know, if you don't know, you'll know now one out of every three females get molested. And believe it or not, one out of every five boys get right. molested. Yep. So it's important to have those kind of conversations mm -hmm. so that you can know where the root of the issue is. And maybe that's never happened. Maybe it's something else going on. You know, but it's important to get to the bottom of some stuff, amen? Because yeah. I believe what we don't identify, we can't crucify. Right. What we don't confront, we, we can't, can't conquer. conquer. So yeah. get it out on the table. And I also like this because it says solve family issues with the word. I grew up in a home where we never had family meetings. I mean, few far in between. And it's the house I grew up in as a kid, if something jumped off and went really bad, something went south, we never would talk about it. There wouldn't be a conversation. And all of us would see the elephant in the room but the culture was, don't you dare mention it, where I always said, when I become an adult and have my own family, we're going to be a confrontational family. Yeah. That if something jump off, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, that's how you get problems resolved, is by talking about it. Amen. So again, <laughs> solve family issues with the word. And I believe how you solve that is you got to have, sit down, I, I, absolutely, there should be some words spoken over the family and whatnot. You know, but even now, I mean, we haven't had a blow up lately, but when we have, like, let's bring everybody together and we're like, okay, why are you, what's going on? Why are y'all beefing with each other? Yes, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Who and, has, raising girls, I, my, my daughters are 15 months apart. How many of you raise girls, teenagers? It's horrible, right? I mean, boys were fine because they just, just feed the boys. But the girls, oh my gosh, constant conflict and drama and tears and yelling and screaming and arguing over who wears what. And I'm thinking, y'all be smart, share your clothes, you look like you have more. But they want to be, this is mine and this is mine and this is mine. And it just to drive me nuts. So one day the Holy Spirit told me to make the girls pray together every time they argue. And every time they argue, that's what I would do. I would make them hold hands and pray for each other. Yep. This, 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 this combats it. Because listen, it's hard to pray and not be unified. You can't pray for somebody you're mad at. So I'd make them pray, and Mariah would say, you know, Stella would say, God, you see everything. <laughs> and then Mariah would be like, Lord, take that lion spirit away from Stella. <laughs> uh -huh. but, but, that, but, that, but that's using the word. Using the word. Prayer works. The word works. And so we would have to do that around with our family. And it's interesting because there would be times where maybe they were arguing and it would, get, it would excel. Mm -hmm. And my wife would be like, are y'all arguing? They'd be like, no, no we're not arguing. No, Because she knows. They'll be like, I'm going to make y'all pray again. Yes. You're going to make y'all hold hands and pray together again. And then they'd all end up crying and then hugging each other. It was always an emotional thing, but it was every day. But I'm glad they're past that stage. Amen. They're older and better and wiser. Put up Psalm 100 and I want to say 33 and 1. Psalm 133. It says, uh, how good and how pleasant it is for a brother and our family, our, our husband and wife, to dwell together in unity. Somebody say unity. unity. The enemy does not want us to be in unity because where, where, where there's unity, there's power. 
even all of you know about the book of Acts when the 120 came together, when they had the upper room experience, the Bible says because they were on one accord, because there was unity, the spirit of God moved, amen. And I believe even today, amen, when we're unified, there's nothing that we can't do. And that's why the enemy tries to put a wedge, amen. And so that's why Mark 3.25, it says a house divided won't stand. So let's do everything that we can within the, God, the strength that the Lord has given us to not allow the enemy to put a wedge between our families and our spouses. And if that means you got to even let go of some people sometime. Yeah. You know, there was a season in our life, I remember forgetting my mom and dad and my three sisters came to my house. And uh, at this time I was under my dad's ministry and my wife, you know, we only had like three kids back then. And so they came by the house to talk about some stuff that was going on with the family. And one of my sisters like called my wife out of her name. And I was like, wait a minute, that's my wife. She was like, well, I'm your sister, I'm your blood. I said, but this is my wife, this is my one flesh. You can't talk to my wife like that. So my other two sisters are going to be like, well, you, we, we your blood. And then my mom and dad were like, yeah, we blood. She, 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 she married into the Steele family. And I'm like, wait a minute. So are y'all trying to make my loyalty be with y'all and not with her? And I put all of them out. Amen. Amen. I'm like, y'all got to go. And you know what? If that would have happened years prior, because something did happen. I remember one time me and my wife was in an argument and my sisters or something happened. And I told her, I said, I'll never love you like I love my mom. This is early in our marriage, like one year married. I said, I'll never love you like I love my sisters. How am I going to love you? I just met you, and I've been knowing these people my whole life. How many know you say stupid stuff when you're young? <laughs> so I leave for a few hours, go to my mom and dad's, you know, go hang out with my sisters, and I come home, and she's in the bed. And you know how we do men? We like, hey, baby. No. And everything was locked up. Locked. I said, I know you don't think I, that see, that's about to happen. Right. I got a revelation that there are things that my wife can do to me that my mom and daddy <laughs> and my sisters can't do for me. Because can't nobody do me like Kelly Steele. <laughs> like I said, they would say, he preaching now. He preaching. <laughs> so I, I, I've learned real quick that if I ain't acting right, some things can be on lock. I thought when I became an adult that punishments were over. <laughs> but the Bible is very specific. It says that when you get married, it says to leave mother and father and what? Cleave, Cleave to your spouse. Yep. And it's interesting because back in the Old Testament, what they would do culturally, they would, when that person would get married, they would make them li live in another region at least yep. for a year yep. so that they can get used to their spouse. I think a lot of it had to do was that they wanted to make sure that that spouse allegiance was with one another. I still love my mom and love my dad. I was just over there, shoot, what, two, three days ago, had coffee. We had a great time. We were looking at old pictures. We had a phenomenal time. But at the end of the day, you know, you know what can happen is, is a lot of times family can probably put you in a headlock. And then sometimes they'll lose, use manipulation without even knowing it by saying, remember when I bought you them shoes when you was in sixth grade? You were supposed to buy me some shoes in sixth grade. <laughs> I didn't ask you to have me. Does that make sense, kingdom? Yes. So people will try to be like, holding. I'm like, wait a minute. You were supposed to buy me them cleats in high school. Right. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Like, like my son, Isaiah, when he got married, 
Um, even, I'm going to be honest with you, when he moved out of our house, I went through a mild depression. Because I'm thinking, his, this, my son has been a good son. He's 24 now. I went through a mild depression. He moved out. He said he wanted to be on his own and then eventually get married. So that was a struggle for me, amen, to see him because I'm such a provider for my family. But I never, I never told him, no, you shouldn't move out. I'm like, son, if that's what you think you should do, amen, go for it. I said, it's going to make you more responsible. But really, in my flesh, I want to be like, nigga, you, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just keep it real with you? Yep. But I had to let him go so he can evolve and grow. And then probably a year and a half, two years later, he got married. Amen. And even now with his wife, his allegiance needs to be with his wife. Mm -hmm. That's why there's times I tell my wife, leave him alone. She's like, I just cooked some monkey bread and I'm going to call Isaiah. And they, then you got Dev and his wife over there cooking. They heard So the one day he was torn. Should I eat my wife, my mom? I'm like, that's a no-brainer. You eat your wife cooking, then you come over here later. You might, you might as well get both. Amen? He did. But that's what he did. I think but I, in my Back defense. in the day, though, my wife would tell you, I used to, my mom would cook, baby, I made you some smothered chicken with some onions lima and some beans, lima beans and some cornbread. And then she in there still trying to figure it out in the I'm kitchen. Making... I'm like, I'll see you later. All right, now, I'll be back. This is early in the marriage. Crazy. He didn't want my hamburger helper. <laughs> Ooh, that's real talk yep <laughs> I remember them days I thought it was delicious <laughs> but then I came home later that night she was like mm, you know, go eat your mama cooking I said I already did I'm home now she was like I'm going to sleep leave me alone I was like uh 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 so I started eating that hamburger helper. <laughs> Amen. How many of y'all like your pastor? You struggled with transition. Who gonna own it? Yeah. It was a challenge. You know what I'm saying? You know, but thank God, here we are. We'll be together 26, 26 years next years. month. Married 24 years in March. God has done exceedingly abundantly above. above. But we had to do some growing up. But I've learned this, church. Sometimes trial and error is the best teacher. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can only learn from the mistakes that you make. Yep. Now, shame on you if you make mistakes and don't learn from it. Right. So sometimes mistakes are good. Amen? Because you're going to make them. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. But we got to finish this real quick because I am ready to go. Praise the Lord. And I know y'all <laughs> ready to go, too. I'm 13 minutes over time. So the number three thing is this, pray for your family. Yeah. That's another thing. We have to pray for our family. I love Job uh, 22 and 28. Look at this real quick. Job uh, 22 and, and, and 28. I had four or five I was going to hit, but I'm going to only hit this one. It says, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. I'm going to stop right there. Listen, if you want God to move in your family, if you want your family to be healthy, listen, one of the, our, I believe one of the anointings on my wife and I's life is to break the back of dysfunction. Yes. That's one of the things that we've been intentional. I never wanted any of my kids to move out and be like, whoo, I got away from them. You know, as much as it was a struggle for me to accept that my son was going to move out, it was a struggle for him to move out as well.
because we've been such a healthy family. Have we been a perfect family? Absolutely not, because every family has its challenges. But the one thing is that our kids know that they can come and talk to us and we're not going to judge them or anything like that, because I've learned, amen, by loving kindness is how you draw them, amen. So we've shown love to our children. Have we had to discipline them? You better believe it. But more than anything, we've shown love, amen. There's been times where my daughters have gotten their hearts broken by maybe they were dating somebody and they went south. I've had to hug and love on my daughters and, you know, and I remember one time I was preaching in New Zealand and I found out that one of my daughters wasn't going to be graduating because she had enough credits, but she didn't pass the uh, Ames. Ames test or the Stanford test, whatever it was. Anyway, I got on that airplane for 13 hours. I said, when I get home, I'm going to rip her apart. I'm about to go in on her and I'm, ooh, I can't wait to see her. I'm about to go in. Anybody been there before? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit said, you, when I got off, thank God I had, it was a 13-hour flight, not 13 minutes. <laughs> so I had a lot of time to process. And I, when I got home and my daughter was crying, I hugged her. I said, baby, it's going to be okay. And I began to pray for her. Yep. I began to cover her. Cover. Amen. Because yes. me going off on her wasn't going to help the cause. Mm-hmm. So I prayed with her. And then her class walked um, like two, three weeks later, and it's interesting, she didn't walk, but five, six weeks later, her new test came in, and she passed it, mm-hmm. but her class already walked, and I said, Stella, you're going to walk with the class next year. That's she right. said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are, because still's finished what we started, Right. and we went to her graduation, and she cried, and we cried, mm-hmm. because that was a monumental moment, because we know delay does not mean deny, right. because she maybe didn't graduate with her mm-hmm. class, but she still graduated. Right. Yes, she did. Amen. And I just, I just love that story, Pastor, because that, that you listen, that, that's heartbreaking when your kids don't meet the mark. But I love the fact that my husband says, you're still going to do it, and we're still going to support you. We could have been like, oh, you got your diploma, that's good. But I love that he's like, no, you're going to have that experience. Yep. And who cares if it's a year later? If y'all follow our, you, if you guys follow us, we always brag about stuff, what our kids are doing that year. We didn't say nothing about no graduation. In fact, people asked me, when's the graduation? I was like, uh, and I kept it moving. But, you know, and I said, you will not be ashamed because we as your family, we are not ashamed of you. Right. And that's so important in families. We can't yep. be ashamed of our kids. Amen. There is no shame. Amen. I wasn't embarrassed. Nope. Not at all. So that next year when it was time to go, we mm-hmm. had it everywhere posted and people asked questions. Wasn't it supposed to be last year? We just kept it moving. Didn't and, even answer. You know what? I, I answered. I told them, I said, yep, she's supposed to graduate yeah. last year, but delay doesn't mean deny. Yeah. We here now. Right. Because there were several people from the church, people like, I thought she was supposed to graduate, you know. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, some things jumped off. Amen. But she here now. See, she got her cap on. There, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's so, you know? yeah, and it's so hard for, kids are always worried about not shaming us. Don't worry. You, 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 I'm, I've never, why would, how could I be ashamed of what I created? Mm. How could I be ashamed of what I pushed out? My God. You're still living, which means Preach. that there's still God on you. You still have a chance to turn and turn things around. I can't be ashamed of an unfinished product. You're still in the process of being made new. So I'm not going to be ashamed of you. So I, I love that our kids don't worry about shame being attached to them. Amen. So our third point was pray for your family. The last thing, speak, speak life. the life over your family. Put up John 6, 63, and we're done. John chapter 6, verse 63. Y'all see me rushing where her mom made some gumbo. We about to, I'm about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profit nothing. 
The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Remember, the, the words that you speak are spirit and life. So let's make sure that we speak over our families, mm -hmm. that we speak over our children. Another quick story. I told my wife, I said, I appreciate you. You're a keyboardist. She's written songs for famous people, amen, that have gone all over the world. She's gotten royalty checks. But I told my wife, I said, you are a preacher. And my wife was like, I ain't preaching nothing. She's like, God called you to preach. Right. I said, absolutely he has. I said, but I know there's an anointing on you to preach the gospel. She did not want to hear that. But what, the word, what does the word say? The words that we speak are spirit and life. So I begin to speak over her. I begin to decree things that you will be a preacher. And I'll never forget, the first time I had her preach, she bombed it. And so she goes in, the, we had three services back then in the cafeteria. So she bombed the first service and she was like, see, you made me do this and I ain't going back out there for the next two services. I looked at her and said, you are going back out there. You get your butt up there, you fix your face. See, if I wasn't, Harsh see, words. see, I might have missed my call and I might have should have been a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am, I'm coach still, praise yes, the Lord. Coach, coach y'all to y'all spiritual destiny. That's right. Amen. So... I said, you fix your face and you get back out. She, <laughs> like she just got a whooping or something. You know how you got a whooping? You, <laughs> you know, one of them whoopings, you wake up late at night, thought it was the next day. <laughs> See, the ones that's laughing know what I'm talking about. The rest of y'all looking like. <laughs> that's because y'all got time out. I tell my kids, I'll take time out to whoop your butt. But, that, but let me... My wife got out there that second service and preached the paint off the wall. We all stood up for about 25, 30 minutes like, who in the world is this preaching? Because God took over and began to speak a word through her. And then the third service, she killed it again. I was like, my God, I might be out of a job. <laughs> so but remember that John 6, 63, 60, John chapter 6. Verse 63, the words that we speak are spirit and life. If you say it, you'll see it. So I encourage you men, make sure you speak over your wife. Speaking over your wife can take you take your marriage a, long, a, 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 a longer place than you ever thought, a place, you know, that you never even dreamed of, amen? But I had to learn how to speak over this woman, amen? So, amen. Well, y'all blessed by today's sermon? Amen. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, cover your people today, God. Let this word take root in their heart. Maybe you're here in this 1130 service. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. The Bible says.